So, hi, my name is Jess. I'm a member of the youth here. Uh, I'm very excited and nervous, but mainly excited to be talking today. Um, yeah, so first of all, just thank you to everyone who's spoken in the service so far, um, to Yvonne and Pat for your words. Alison, your prayer was amazing. Um, if I missed anyone out, I'm sorry. And thank you for the testimony. I don't know your name, but it was, sorry? Marion. Marion, that was an amazing testimony. Thank you so much. Um, so this, I feel like these like things that we've had in church already today are really appropriate to what I want to say today because what I want to talk about today is basically improving um, your relationship with God and trying new things and just giving it a go to try and get closer to God and spend more time with him. So thank you to those people who talked today because like all of this stuff, um, saying a prayer in church at the front, saying a prayer in church privately, um, any other activities that you can do that will like help uh, improve your relationship with God are amazing. So yeah, that's just what I want to start with. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm talking about today, improving your relationship with God. Um, and this is especially for when things get rough. I think if you already have something um, solid that you've got going on um, with God, then it's so much easier if there's like a path already built for you, if you already know how you're connecting with God and you know that you have a relationship, then like things can, are so much easier when things go wrong, which they do. And so I've got this story today, which is the Shunammite woman. Um, these are the passages I'm talking about today. If you want to follow along uh, on your Bible, if you don't, don't worry. We've got most of the points in the PowerPoint, so hopefully everyone can understand where we're going. So yes. So uh, I wanted to start with some context on this passage. So it comes from Two Kings, uh, which is a book I haven't read extensively until recently um, when I came across this story. And I think the context of where it comes from is very important to why I want to talk about it today. Because Kings starts off in One Kings at like quite a high point the Israelites because David um, is the end of his rule he's done like majority good stuff for the people and it's the start of Solomon's rule as well at the start of one kings so it begins on like a, a fairly good point in the history of the Israelites but unfortunately it doesn't always stay this way throughout kings um, after Solomon's death there's a civil war between the tribes in Israel and you have your ten tribes in the north and then the two tribes in the south which are Benjamin and Judah and the civil war begins almost immediately after Solomon's death because there was all this um, conflict within the people because there was some heavy taxation from Solomon and all the benefits of that were confined to the south. So people weren't getting on because of that. And after Solomon died, um, it just all exploded. Um, the two tribes kind of separated out. The north was eventually defeated by the Assyrians and exiled away from their land. And the south survived a little bit longer, Benjamin and Judah, but 140 years after the north, they also were exiled by the Babylonians. So two kings does not end well for the Israelites. However, in amongst all of this stuff that's going on, you have the story of the Shunammite woman, um, which is a story of ups and downs, but there's so much hope and joy and lots of good things going on in it that I think are really important to focus on. Because sometimes like, we can feel like our lives or the world around us isn't always going our way. Like you might be having personal problems or you might just be looking out at the world and going, I don't understand what I'm seeing here. This is not what I wanted to see. But I think if you look at Kings where things were also going wrong and there's still so much hope, 
you can like be reassured that God is acting like at all these times of difficulty and in the times of goodness as well. So on to the story. Um, here are the key verses. Oh, let me get my Bible. All right. So it begins with Elisha. Elisha is the prophet who comes after Elijah. In case you didn't know, I didn't know. Um, and Elisha's got big shoes to fill with Elijah coming before him. But there are some like amazing miracles that go on in two kings that come from Elisha. And they're really inspiring. So this is kind of in that vein of miracles to do with Elisha. Um, so it starts with Elisha going to a town called Shunem. Uh, and there's a great woman there who urged him to stay for a meal. And this is like an independent action that she takes. She just really wants to have Elisha come for a meal at her house and be blessed. And the story goes on that um, every time Elisha visits this area of Shunem, he comes and eats at this woman's house. And eventually she recognizes, after having spent time with him, that her initial like, prompting was exactly right. And he is this man of God. And so she goes to her husband and she says, I really want to build Elisha a place in our house, his own room, so that he has somewhere to stay when he's ministering near Shinnam. And so he's not all out on his own, but he's got somewhere to go back to. So the woman builds him this room. And in return for this, Elisha wants to bless her. So he asks her, like, what can I do for you? Thank you for all the goodness you've brought into my life. I want to do something for you. Um, but initially, she doesn't accept his offer. She just says, I've got a place to live. I'm like happy with where I am. I'm among my own people. Thank you, but I'm all right. Elisha won't accept this, however, and he keeps pushing until um, his servant, Gehazi, like reveals to her. She is uh, a young woman, but her husband is old, and so she has no son. And Elisha, at this point, knows what to do. He prophesies and he says, in a year's time, you will hold a son in your arms. The woman, like, is initially a bit shifty about this. She obviously <laughs> would love a blessing of a child, but she doesn't want to be disappointed. And so she says, are you sure? And he goes, yes. So it happens as Elisha prophesies. A year later, she has a son. Woo! So this is a point up. Our journey is already not straight. It was the woman um, was okay, but really she was missing something. Uh, things get happier when she has the son. Um, and it's a blessing for a while, but then the son unfortunately dies um, in an accident. He's ill. And so things seem to be going wrong again for her. Um, and at this point, she's so confused because she's like, I was promised the son, um, but he's died. I don't have him anymore. Where is this blessing that was supposed to come from God? And she knows what to do at this point as well. She decides that what she needs to do she is follow the Holy Spirit and go straight to Elisha and ask him for like what's happening, how can she resolve this situation. So this is what so yeah, this is kind of the verses that we have going on. So the story continues. She goes all the way to Elisha. Um, she's met by his servant Gehazi, but she says, No, I need to go to the man himself. Um, and she goes to Elisha and she um, just she doesn't tell him exactly what happens. She says, did I not ask you for a son? Then why did you lie to me? Elisha, once again, gets this divine inspiration from God. He doesn't even know, need to know what happens. He just says, Gehazi, go, go to her house, take this stuff and try and heal the boy. But this isn't enough for her. And she insists, she says, Elisha, you need to come yourself to my house and you need to heal this child. 
and she persuades him to go with her all the way back to Shunem. And they go there, and they get to the house, and the boy is dead. Uh, but Elisha, he goes in, and he tries to heal him. And he prays for him. He connects with him. Um, don't, we don't know if it works initially. Elisha like, gets up. He walks around the room. Then he tries again, and the boy sneezes seven times and wakes back up. And it's a miracle that he's back alive again. Woo! <laughs> So um, Elisha says to Gehazi, this is how the passage ends, call the Shunammite. And so he did. She came and Elisha said, pick up your son. So she came in and she falls down at Elisha's feet, bowing face down on the floor, praising God. And then she picked up her son and went out. So I love this story. Um, I came across it in like a devotional I was doing a couple weeks ago and it has just stuck out to me ever since. And there's a couple reasons why. So... Initially, like these were the two things that came to me, which was this story goes all over the place. It's not a straight trajectory up. It's not a straight trajectory down. It's all things in between there. Um, it starts and you think everything's okay, but it's not. Then things get better because this son is born. Things get worse because the son dies. Um, but then through the faith um, that the woman has in God, she knows to go to Elisha and Elisha gets the blessing from God and is able to revive this child. So it's all over the place. It like If you summarize it, I was summarizing it to someone the other day, it sounds like a really happy story and there is so much joy in it, but it's important to recognize kind of the bad times that are underneath that too. And also, like, what a great woman is what I thought when I read this. Like, it would be hard enough for a normal person in society back then to have like the boldness to go straight up to a priest and say, I want you to come to my house and eat with me. I'm going to build you this room and this is where you will stay. And then when things go wrong, it'd be hard enough for someone to go to the priest and insist that they go to their house to heal their child. And yet this is a woman who does this as well. Like she could have been um, like in such an awful situation because of her actions. If she'd had another husband, she might have been punished for it. Um, Elisha or the other prophets could have punished her for her boldness um, she's at an automatic disadvantage because she has no children and that was one of the ways like, in which a woman's value was measured but she's still able to go and like, make this bold action trust in her faith in God and that's what I think is really important to take away from this so it's that like, even if things aren't going away even if you think you're in a position of weakness like now is the time to act and you can do this and you can strengthen your relationship with God so that when things go wrong you are ready to go to him you know that's where you need to go so yes um, so these are kind of the key things that came across in the passage to me are these like five themes that continue throughout which are the giving and receiving of gifts um, by Elisha and the woman and God being honest and emotional with God and the importance that has in your relationship with him, acting on the spirit and trusting the faith that you have with him, being active yourself and seeking out God and that like your relationship with God is like a continuing journey. It can like start when you're young, start when you're older, but it continues throughout your whole life whether you can see it or not. And that's really important to me. So first to address kind of giving and receiving of gifts. So here are the key verses to me. So Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone all the way, all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. So at this point, 
this is back near the kind of start of the story. Elisha um, has received these gifts from the women. He has received a place to eat, and he has received a place to live while he's in Shuman performing God's work. Um, but when he tries to return the favor to her and bless her with God, her initial reaction is to refuse him. Uh, she, we don't know why it was, whether she was proud or whether she just thought she didn't have anything that she needed, but she decides not to accept his gift. Um, even though he is giving freely uh, and giving from God, However, because of the um, intercession of Gehazi, who's able to tell Elisha that she has no child, she does get this gift of the child, which is given to her twice, in fact. First time when the child is born, and the second time when the child is revived. Um, she also gets this gift of time from Elisha. So all this like theme of giving and receiving back and forth from the woman and Elisha, and also God, who's always in control of this situation, and who is able, uh, like Elisha's acting through God to be able to give her this blessing of a child. It's just a theme throughout this whole passage. And I think like this whole giving and receiving from God thing is very important in like the relationship you have with God. Because God like is a generous God. He gives gifts to us all. It might be like a physical gift, like a child, um, or like a, um, uh, or like an improvement in your pay like Marion, um, or it might be something that you don't initially recognize as a gift, but is like this amazing ability you have. Maybe um, you're just a natural born leader, and that's what you're amazing at. Um, maybe you're great at just praying for other people, and these are all gifts that we have received from God. And I think what is really important to see here in the passage is that when you're offered a gift from God, like you've got to take it, you've got to use it. Like you've got to obviously give thanks to God, which is what the woman does initially um, after her child has been revived. Her first action is to give thanks to God. But then like all these other gifts, they're yours to use from God. He didn't give them to you to be like stored away somewhere. Or like, oh yeah, I mean, I might be good at leading worship. But I don't really like know if that's my calling or something. Like if you've been given a gift, like go for it. This is really what God is wanting you to do. That's why he's given you this gift. And it will strengthen your relationship with God because you have this trust in God because you know like, this might be scary, or this might not be something I've done before, but this is something that God obviously wants me and is leading me to do because he's given me this gift. So I think that's really, really important to take away from this story. And, like, sometimes it can be scary if you're not sure what your gift is. Like, <laughs> I have this funny story. Um, so Christmas a couple of years ago, um, it was the night before Christmas, and I couldn't sleep can't remember why. don't know if I was ill or just like excited or something. But um, <laughs> something was going on. So I decided, um, to, like I couldn't sleep. I was just going to go find mum and dad. Mum and dad were sitting in the lounge, uh, like watching TV or something, um, just chilling out before Christmas and the madness that was about to ensue. Um, and I was just interrupting their peace and quiet. Um, so I went and sat with them. And then I was just sitting with mum. And then I noticed on the floor, there was like this piece of paper. I was like, oh what's that? <laughs> so I lean over and start reading this piece of paper. And it's a list of everything that mum and dad had bought for all of us. And my Christmas was spoiled completely. And it was my own fault. Um, and yeah, I was just reading down this list. And I was like, oh, what's this? Oh, oh. But then I realized that like the, all the joy of Christmas from opening the gifts, obviously there's other joy of Christmas, but opening the gifts, <laughs> you know, Jesus and everything. Um, <laughs> I was 10, I was single focus at this point. Um, 
all, all that joy had been completely removed because I'd gone and been nosy. Um, so don't do that. Um, but the point, <laughs> the point I'm trying to get across is that like it's not necessary that you know for sure all the gifts that you have from God like when you're born. Like you don't have to wake up and immediately have this divine inspiration and be like, you know what, God's calling me to be a worship leader, and I know that from day one. It's okay to like develop this over time, to realize over time, to test your limits and what God's given you, and then figure it out along the way. As long as you are figuring it out, it's like God has given you these gifts and he will give you opportunities to use them, but it's up for you to take them. So yeah, that's, that's the first thing. <laughs> Woo! Um, okay. Then what I also saw in this passage when I was looking through it and discussing it with other people is honesty with God and being emotionally vulnerable with God is so, so important. So <clears throat> when um, this woman is traveling to Elisha after the death of her child to try and get him to come and re- revive her, um, uh, like Elisha tells Gehazi to run and meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? And she says to Gehazi, everything is all right. So she kind of dismisses it. Um, however, when she reached Elisha, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She was in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. So this woman, she's very good at holding things together. Like when she's initially offered the gift, she doesn't immediately go, oh, I want a child. Please give me a child. Um, she is really in control of her emotions, which can be both a blessing and a curse. Um, but at this point, she like after initially just saying that everything was fine, she just has a total breakdown, which, you know, very understandable, death of a child. Um, She has this breakdown in front of Elisha, but she's not self-conscious about it at this point because it's just an outpouring of her emotions at this point. She can't hold it in anymore. Um, And Elisha doesn't push her away. He doesn't say, that's enough. I don't want to see any of that. I'm not interested in that. Where's my thanks for your child? He says, like, let her come to me. Let her be open and honest with me and open and honest with God through me. And this is really important because this is the point when Elisha is able to act. As soon as he knows that something is wrong, um, that is when he's able to intercede. And it's the same thing with God. Obviously, God knows our lives, has a plan for our lives. He knows it all along. But if you can come to God and you can tell God, like, this thing is happening. I am not happy about this. Or you can come to God and be like, I'm so happy for this blessing. Like, thank you so much then that's just like improving that channel of communication between you and God. It's just like, I feel like just being honest with God is very important because then when things are going wrong and when you feel self-conscious about it, if you already know that you've been to God in the past and like you're still alive, you're fine, um, then you know that you can go to God when things get difficult. And like even Elisha here, Elisha says, the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. So it's also okay to like have these like conflicts not only like within yourself like why has this happened I don't understand but also to sometimes have these like conflicts with God where you're like Elisha here he feels betrayed he doesn't like God has not warned him that this was going to happen he just knew that, that there was going to be a blessing of a child and then the next thing he hears is something has gone wrong but when Elisha like is able to express this when Elisha is able to express this to God and say out loud, like, I don't understand what's happened. I've been blindsided. That's at that moment, like the next verse after this is when Elisha says, you know what, I know not what we need to do because I've been informed by God at this point. So it's all this stuff about honesty with God. 
and how like being emotionally vulnerable is never a weakness like in front of other people or in front of god it can only like improve on the relationships that you have there so yes all right sorry i'll speed through um like another thing these two things kind of go hand in hand in this passage um and they are like acting on the spirit and trusting your faith and also seeking god actively because I don't know about you, but like sometimes you do feel like a little nudge. Like sometimes you just know that there's something that the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. And I was reading up on this passage, and there's this guy called Don Green, um, who's like done some preaches about it. And he was saying that, um, like, most of the time, like, or no, all of the time, uh, when you have that nudge, when like something happens and you have like a gut reaction to it, that is like the Holy Spirit you like immediately know what to do. And I think Marion touched on this in her testimony as well. And that was that you have this gut feeling and you know that that's the Holy Spirit. And so like you just have to work up the boldness and the courage because you already know what you need to do. It's just up to you to make that move now. And I think that's really important because the woman like at the start of the passage, way back in eight, um, 2 Kings 4 verse eight, um, she gets this nudge from God and she knows that Elisha is a holy man that she should be inviting into her life. And she just does it. She doesn't hesitate, or at least it doesn't say that she hesitated. Um, and I doubt it because she just seems like this bold woman who's like very secure in her faith. She's great. Um, and she just like knows that she needs to let Elisha into her house and she needs to build him this room. And that is the like blessing that she is supposed to bring to Elisha at that point in time. And then because of that, because of just listening to God, like all these blessings come into her life and all this relationship with God just gets strengthened and she like is reinforced in her faith. So I think it's really important, like when you get a nudge, just to act on it. Maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like you've never had a nudge. Maybe you're just not sure in it. Um, Maybe you feel like you're a bit all on your own at this point in your life. But I think if you can like improve on this relationship with God, wherever yours is at, whether it's really strong, really weak, anywhere in between, then these nudges will kind of start coming to you. And they might not be a nudge. They might be somewhere else that you always know um, that the Spirit is trying to communicate to you. But the Spirit is trying to communicate to everyone. It's just about listening, basically. Listening and acting on it. All right. Um, and like nothing can really... Nothing that bad can come of it. Obviously, you have to listen to um, the rules we usually have with prayer. Like, obviously, like maybe the Holy Spirit is asking you to pray for someone, but you don't just like run up to them, lay on hands, and go for it. Like, it's very important to ask for consent when you're praying for people and other stuff like that. But like, it's not going to hurt you. I remember this one time at Sound, which is our youth thing. We're doing this prayer activity with these like cards in the middle, and you had to pray over these cards in the middle, and then. They had images on them, and then you had to go give them to someone that you felt like God wanted them to see that image. And, like, if there was a word to go with it, then you gave that as well. And I remember, like, I just got this word, and I was like, oh, come on, God, like, really, no. Like, just no. Because I didn't really want to fulfill what he wanted me to do. I wasn't in the mood to do it. Um, the person who I thought the word was for, they weren't really engaged. Um, so I was just, like, not in the mood for it. But I, like, worked up the courage. I picked up this piece of paper, and I went over to that person and talked to them. And, like, I'm still alive. I'm fine. I don't know if it really had an effect on them. And you can't always be sure. Like, sometimes you are just, like, stepping out, not really sure what's going to happen. But, like, you're going you're gonna to be fine either way. So just act on these urges is what I would, like, take from this passage. Is like, just give it a go. See what happens. 
and like going with this hand in hand is seeking God actively because like obviously it's lovely to wait for God to come to you and tell you what to do um, that's quite helpful because you know what you're doing at that point but also like like I keep saying two-way channel uh, communication if you can try and find God in situations then it will be all the more easy for you to communicate with him for him to speak to you because he knows that you're already open to it so like even when things aren't going the way that the Shumanite woman wants them to go um, like this blessing has been revoked um, she uses her faith in God to just go for it anyway she like she leaves the house even though her husband like is doubting her he says why go to him today it's not the new moon or the sabbath when people are accustomed to going to priests he's not in town why are you setting out but she just knows that like seeking god is what she needs to do at this point and she follows it and everyone can seek god in a different way uh, maybe for you it's like something really big like going out and joining street pastors maybe it's something really small like just sitting in your own home, in your own like safe space, and just putting on a worship song, and just like worshiping God for just like a couple minutes by yourself. Oh, it could be anything in between. It could be something like going to the INET tea thing that's happening in a couple weeks. It could be going to a prayer meeting at church. But just anything you can do to seek God, even just looking around situations in your life and seeing the godliness in them, seeing the blessings where they're happening, is just an amazing way to like enforce your like, faith in relationship with God. Um, so yeah, so just finally, then we're wrapping up soon. Um, finally, I just want to turn to chapter eight of um, two kings, where the Shimonite woman, who we thought her story was over, she got her son back. She praised God. Um, her relationship with Elisha is still fine, um, but God's not done with her yet because you get to chapter eight and you see that the woman is back again, and she like basically I'll summarize. Um, it's shorter than the last one. She was warned by Elisha that there would be this seven-year famine in the area she was living in. And so she followed his word, and she moved her family out of the area for seven years, and this time has passed, and she's come back. But she's come back, and she's realized that her home has been taken over, her property is not hers anymore, she doesn't know what to do, because all she was doing was following the word of God, but things seem to have gone wrong despite that. So she goes to the king of the area, um, to make her appeal and as she approaches the king to talk to him about her situation Gehazi who was the servant of Elisha and saw all these miracles is already with him and he's telling the king at that very moment about this amazing story of when Elisha blessed a woman with a child and then revived him after he had died suddenly and that's the exact moment when this woman and her child walk up to the king and ask for their home back and it's just really important I think like in this, like to look at this instance and see that, like you may feel that, like maybe your prime time with God has already gone by. Like you may think, like oh, five years ago, ten months ago, I don't know. I felt like I was really connecting with God, and now I don't really know where I'm at with Him. Well, you may feel like you haven't had like a prime time with God at the moment, and you may think like oh, my relationship with Him is okay, but I don't really know what's happening. Like I can't remember all these amazing miracles that everyone else seems to have seen and heard. But what I want to say, um, and what I see in this passage, is that it's a continuing journey with God. Like, your whole life, he will be with you, whether you know it or not. Uh, you'll be able to see him and the things happening around you. And it's, yeah, no one's a one-hit wonder. You don't have, like, one amazing experience with God, and that's over, because he's always with you, hoping to continue that journey. And he will be hoping and um, reciprocating to you all the way 
But if you can turn to him and if you can say to him as well that you're ready for something, that's just going to strengthen like the faith you have in your own God. So yeah, so these are, these are my five things that I think um, are important in this passage. And we're going to go into a time of ministry based around these things. Um, so if I could just ask the uh, band to come up, this place that we're in the background. Thank you, guys. Uh, did a great job today. Woo! Um, but if, if um, while the band are coming up, if everyone doesn't mind, I hope you can see them, um, just looking at these five things up on the board, giving and receiving gifts, being honest and emotional with God, acting on the spirit and trusting our faith, being active and seeking out God, and that life with God is a continuing journey. Um, I just want to ask, as the band plays for a couple minutes, if everyone could just have like a time of reflection and prayer within themselves, where they just think through these things and just ask God, like, which one of these, like, it might be a combination, but which one of these or two of these are you, like, really calling me towards at the moment? Where is the focus in our relationship? Where are the, like, cracks that we might need to patch up? Where is something that I can improve upon or I can help others improve upon? So if, while the band is playing for a couple minutes, if everyone could just have a think about this, pray to God, reflect in themselves, um, look at the passages if you want in your Bible, just anything that's going to help you be open to God and connect to God at this time, and just kind of think through these five things and where maybe there could be something um, that you and God can work on together. And just while we start this, we'll do some stuff afterwards, but while we start this, I just want to pray for everyone, which is the, dear God, like, just thank you for the opportunity we have to get today. Thank you that we're all together. Um, thank you that the youth service has gone smoothly up to this point. And I just pray that um, <laughs> even if my preach was too long or anything else um, has um, affected people today and they're not really feeling like they want to connect to you right now, I just pray that um, these five things in front of them are what they can turn their minds to and focus on for the next couple of minutes um, and just connect to you about something on these five things. Maybe it's something else that they feel they're being called to, um, but just open people's hearts today. Please open their minds to you. Thank you, God. <laughs>